All right, hope everybody's doing good. We are here with another edition of Casey Music Talk. Look at that sign. Ta-da. It's pretty awesome. Um, so we are here today with a drummer here in Kansas City, Guy Hudson. How you doing? I'm well. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good, man. Thanks Excellent. for thanks for coming out and uh, doing this. Honored, you know. I'm glad you give a crap about what I have to say. <laughs> Well, we'll see about that. We'll right, see about right. that. This could go way into the edit pile. No, yeah, yeah, yeah no. I'm sure it'll be awesome. Um, so I met you at the, uh, at, it was the Jerry's Jam. Correct. Probably. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you've, uh, you've been kind of like subbing and playing with those guys for a long time, right? Or how do you, right. how do you know those guys? Well, you know, and that's where I think Scotty kind of, uh, forgot but actually I, I was one of the originals too and I was the one that did uh, Thursdays every Thursday out in Lee Summit. Oh right yeah I, I came up to that one a couple times yeah yeah. Because uh, Scotty and Justin and I were in a band together mm -hmm. and the initial idea with Jam Night was um, Justin and I would go down to Westport and, and mm -hmm. they had the hurricane and the hurricane, which is now the riot room, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the hurricane had this. It, it was uh, Curtis, Curtis Anderson, Baloney Ponies, uh, Disco Dick. Mm. You know, he's a Kansas City scene like legend. You know, he's been around for years and always brings a you know a solid product. Well, at the time, he had his own little kind of. It wasn't really a jam per se, where people would sign up, mm. but it. His band would play, and if he saw other musicians out in the audience, mm -hmm. he'd ask him to come up and do a couple songs. Yeah. So Justin and I would go down to the Hurricane, have some drinks, and we'd jump up on stage mm -hmm. and, and have a great time. Well, the old owner of Jerry's that was out in Lee Summit wanted to do something similar to where it was still a party-type atmosphere, mm -hmm. um, where we were doing songs. Uh, it was a jam kind of thing too but we were only doing songs that were kind of party tunes mm -hmm. so you wouldn't get these really b-side songs that kind of bummed you know yeah the table full of girls out that had never heard like a you know a b-side rush song or something you know yeah you know like rush scotty yeah like rush <laughs> yeah show me a t-shirt oh yeah this is for scotty since he's there you go right there yeah. Ban the rush. Build a wall. Take on that. On the north side. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So, uh, Scotty and Justin and I played in a band together and um, called The Sea Strings. Mm -hmm. And it was an original band and we had a good time with it. Um, Jeff Morin was our other guitarist and he's since moved to uh, Arizona and he's doing well. Um, we had a really good time with it. And, That's uh, cool. But, uh, you know... Things happened, and uh, Justin uh, got married, had a baby. I got married, had a baby, mm -hmm. and you know, so the original music thing kind of got put on the back burner, right. and and then we started doing the uh, the jam thing. Uh, they did, they had the Lenexa thing going, and I could never do two nights in a row. Yeah, and try and get up at five thirty in the morning and do my my day mm -hmm. gig kind of thing. Yeah, so I just did Thursdays, um, and uh, then that place kind of fell apart and mm -hmm. and so Craig does a great job out, out here uh, in Lenexa on Thursdays so I just sub for him whenever he needs me yeah. and yeah. it's nice because it's 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 like 
the grandbaby or like you know babysitting like a niece or a nephew they're great to play with then you just give them back exactly it's yeah, all yeah you. Mm-hmm. yeah you don't have you don't have that that extra pressure on you you know it, well you it, know. it's not that the jam isn't fun but you know other members of our band and the troubadours have filled in and they're not used to doing so and yeah. after the night's over it's it's you know if you don't know what to expect going into it it can be very overwhelming mm-hmm. uh, by the end I always say by the end of one of those I go home in complete silence <laughs> I don't listen to any music on mm-hmm. the way home yeah. I can't hear any any noise because all night long my ears have been turned on yeah and your brain's on, right. on overdrive. Yeah, you guys yeah. mentioned the Jedi thing, the yeah. Jam Night Jedi, Jedi, and and you really have to have that because at any time, the song could absolutely fall apart, and it's on you and whoever else is on stage with you that kind of knows what's going on to try and hold it together. Mm-hmm. So, it's 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 fun. It keeps you on your toes. Mm-hmm. It makes you a better musician because it forces you to really use your ears. Um, but it's exhausting too by the end of the night, you know. Yeah, sure. You you said something interesting about the the party atmosphere, and and I didn't get a chance to talk to Scotty about this. He just did an interview with me last week, but that's something that I've been thinking about a lot with with like song choices for bands or even at an open jam, and. A lot of times as musicians, especially somebody like, like me or Scotty, we, we're just, we love playing really complicated stuff. And sure. so we just, you know, we, we don't want to feel like the performing monkey, you know, up right. there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. The, and there's those, there's those 20 that everybody knows about the, the Mustang Sally, Sweet Home Alabama, you know, yeah. there's, you know, right. And so like, so we, we want to keep the audience kind of excited, Correct. but you, but I know that like when I've gone to see like heavy metal shows or something, like I, I just can't stand it. I mean, it's like eight songs in a row of just like punching you in the face. And I wonder if a lot of people do like ballads, like everybody needs that kind of at least one song to kind of calm it. But, <laughs> but I've noticed that like what, what I wanted to do in our band is we wanted to do like four or five a set. You know, and, sure. and I mean, would you think in general that's probably too many, like ballads or, or too much, like you need to keep the party going? Or what do you think about that? Crowds differ, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we've got a lot of ballads in that songbook that, mm-hmm. that we use with the Troubadour thing. And, and it's, we bill ourselves as an all-request band. And, and, you know, all-request meaning... We've got the books. You can mm. Try and pick something out of the book. Right. We might try and do something else that's not in the book, but we've got over five hundred songs in there, mm. and there's a lot of ballads in there. Yeah. Um, I I think that people just like good music. I, I don't necessarily mm. think that you know you're going to get that party crowd that wants to get up and dance and and they just want you know superstition and and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff and sweet home Alabama right. and that's fine but then there's other people in the audience that get blown away when you can pull out something you know that's sentimental and sweet mm-hmm. and 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 emotional yeah you, know? it, you can really you know that's that's the beauty of music you know mm-hmm. we um, we did a church gig um, about two months ago and uh, there's a song that a lot of times I'll open the show with because it's just a great vocal exercise. It's good to warm up with. So 
we can do the, the crazier stuff. I could try and sing the crazier stuff later. Right. Um, it's sitting on the dock of the bay. Yeah. You know, not a hard song, mm. but a great song, a classic. Mm. But I do it many times to open the show. And, you know, if you're in a bar situation, people listen, but they don't. you don't really get a lot of feedback from it. Mm. So we're in this church, and we do that song. And at the end of the end of the show, the end of the sermon, the, the service, this guy comes up to me in tears, big burly biker guy, bawling his eyes out, and he starts telling me this story about how he was in Vietnam, and his best friend was a gunner on a Huey helicopter, and mm-hmm. they served together, and his best friend that was his best friend's song, and two years ago that guy committed suicide. Wow. And he's like, I love that song. You did it great. You know, and to me, that's what it, that's where it's at for mm-hmm. me. You know, if I could move somebody musically with something that I'm doing, that's great. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that song, you know. Right. You mentioned the, the Sweet Home Alabamas and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's people out there that never get out. There's, you know parents that have young kids that never get a, a night out on the town. Right. So who am I to say when they finally get their night out on the town and get a babysitter that I'm not going to play Jesse's girl mm-hmm. or I'm not going to play Sweet Home Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a really good point that you're making because that goes back to the attitude of most of us as musicians. Mm-hmm. You know, is that we we want uh, selfishly because yes, it's it, of course we are bored. Yes, <laughs> that's true, but you know, it, it's there. There's a huge argument among musicians, and this happened to us at college, where we we saw the people that would have been on your guys's end. Where I'm in a straight cover band, we know we are. We're we're doing this on purpose, mm-hmm. and then you have all of these kind of basically artist types, you know, sure. that are like, I have so much integrity. There's no way I'm being in a, a cover band. I'm gonna do jazz. I'm gonna do originals. I'm a, you know, and they have this kind of attitude about. You know, oh, the little people, you know, that want the Mustang Sally. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, you know, and like, sure. and like, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that with those people that have that kind of attitude that just plain won't play those songs? And I mean, what do you think about that? I, th- I think they're approaching it wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I, I, you know, you have someone that, that I'm, I'm lucky enough to play with, like Scotty, who's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's Yoda. We call him Yoda mm-hmm. because he's just, he's super you know, trained and he's, he's put in all these years of work on multiple instruments, but you know, he's not too proud to play Mustang Sally and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It's, it's part of the job. Yeah. And, and you know, like you said, uh, it's not art or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. I, I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. The way I approach a cover song, especially if I'm singing, I want to try and emulate how that person did it. I want it to sound like yeah. the original. I want it, you know, I want people to be impressed with not just myself, but the, the versatility of the band to be able to morph mm-hmm. into different styles and pull it off. And mm-hmm. you know, it so that's an art in itself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to play a million notes. It's it's the quality of the notes, mm-hmm. you know? And and like the slow songs you said you got to caress, man. You got to caress and respect the notes. Um, give a touch. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, cause that, cause that's what Scotty said on the thing. He's like, I, 
we're going to play the crap out of Mustang Sally. Right. You know, that that's his attitude Absolutely. towards it. Instead of like hating this song right now, I'm going to like shred your face off on this song. Right. And just the, if this is what we got to play, I'm going to make this the best Mustang Sally you've ever heard. Absolutely. Or at least the attempt, you know, and, and like, I, I just know that that happens a lot in, I don't even want to say what scene, you know, but, but a lot of times that happened at college, you know, where we were, we were thinking like that I, I'm going to, I'm too, I, I have too much integrity to be that kind of a band. So I'm going to do this. And it was just, I know I felt that way myself. Sure. You know, I, I definitely am, am I mean, guilty of that. I'm not going to say that there are not nights where you get bored doing certain songs. Right. You know, I, I, I could go without hearing, uh, uh, Skinner, um, not Sweet Home Alabama necessarily. Um, uh, any of them? Simple Man. <laughs> Simple well, Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple Man, yeah. you know? And and great song, mm -hmm. but man, that gets requested a lot. Right, right. But the people that like it really like it. Mm -hmm. And though I might get bored, you really have to just take a deep breath and do it. And, mm -hmm. and, and do it how they want to hear it. And you always get, you know, nice feedback on that song for some reason. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, if, if you have the attitude... That it's it's you know not artsy enough for you or, or anything like that. You you're not you're not gonna make any money. You're not gonna get booked. Mm. No one wants a, a sour puss. Mm. You know people are people are there to have a good time. And if you're up there on stage and you're playing some song that you, that inside you're tired of and you show that, mm. that turns them off. You know part of playing music is being a performer. You know, and mm. no matter how crappy your day was before the gig, you got to turn it on when, you know, when you get up on stage and you're doing your thing. Mm -hmm. So like, and so what, it, so the moral of that, and this is something Lonnie McFadden told me when I was talking to him one time, he's like, he was saying something like that. If you want to do your all original band or, you know, go that artsy route or whatever, do it. Absolutely. But don't be mad when you're not making any money was his argument right you know don't don't get pissed off when you don't get any shows right you know and that's it's something that a lot of artsy guys do not want to hear right you know they they get pissed off when you say it to them like that but what do you, i mean is that kind of the moral there or like yeah but i mean we don't just you know play we get our own little kicks playing stuff mm -hmm. scotty quotes mm -hmm. in every guitar solo you're he's right. quoting a rush song <laughs> Or he's quoting the Simpsons theme. Yeah, knock that off, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> Homer. <laughs> he's our own Homer. <laughs> Definitely. But no, I mean, so and there's things we do to have fun. And mm -hmm. we check with each other on stage. And the banter that we, we have. I mean, we don't really hold back. Mm -hmm. Especially if there's not kids around and stuff like that. We give each other a hard time. But it's fun. And yeah, it's all right. in jest. We don't take it seriously. And the crowd loves it. Because we can keep it light, you know, we can do a heavy song, you know, you know, not heavy like, right, but right. heavy, something that it means something to someone, but, and then turn around and, and flip each other crap. And, mm -hmm. and they like that. Right. Because it's not too serious. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, definitely, uh, what's his face? Craig does a fantastic job of that. He doesn't yes. take himself too seriously and he no. makes the party and, and that's good. You know, Craig's that, awesome. Yeah. Craig is, he's, he's, yeah, absolutely Craig. <laughs> I love Craig. And he's, he's one of the nicest guys. Um, you know, he's got that A 
personality, mm. especially in a gig situation like at Jerry's where he's kind of over the top and he's crazy. He's but another he, one of those jerks. Right. right, total jerk. No, but if you get him off stage, he's one of the most loving, mm -hmm. caring. How are you today? Yeah. How you been, man? It's good to see you. He's just a good dude. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. So you can have that. Right. One th one thing that you said that I thought was interesting is is kind of finding finding the awesomeness in each song. And uh, Scotty was kind of mentioning that of like, we're going to make this Mustang Sally the best ever. And, and one, one drummer that I've always been really like, that I've always been fascinated by is uh, Nick Mason from Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. And, and some of the stuff, especially on those, a lot of those dark side songs, um, us and them. And some of the, some of the really, cause, cause they're a very laid back band and, and us and them is, is a great example of a really super laid back song. And even though that might be an example of a, uh, a song that would be annoying on drums sometimes cause you're not like rip roaring, but it is I guarantee you there's a lot of drummers that would not be able to play that song. No. Because no. you're so I mean, you're so far behind that beat and it's gotta be right there. And and like you said, on a ballad, you even if you're not doing a ton on on drums, there's stuff that you can add to the song and make this laid back beat you know, perfect's a stupid word, but but you know, really do your best at this song, even if it's something that is really boring and uh like, like you said, I mean, it sounds like you enjoy those moments, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you're a drummer and you're approaching it like that, you know, it's, it's, it's a boring song to play because it's slow, you're approaching it wrong. Mm. I'll never be a Go-Go. I'll never be a Scotty. Yeah, yeah. Go-Go is something, something else. Right, yeah, he's, right. He's a and, great drummer. And, you know, there's, there's lots of great drummers in town. I know what, what, I, what I do, and it's not that. Uh, I mean, not to discount what they do they're awesome right, what yeah. they do and they're also able to create yeah, atmosphere right. and when with a drummer like Nick Mason mm -hmm. you're creating atmosphere you're creating a feel mm -hmm. without a drummer that can play for the song like you and Scotty talked about mm -hmm. you know you can't capture the feel mm -hmm. so you know I like I said I'll never be you know Mr. Rudiment or anything like that but I, I take pride in the fact that I do play for the song. I listen, mm -hmm. I you know, and and that's created opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. Filling in with other bands. And sure, stuff. yeah. So so like uh, on that on that note about drummers, that that's one thing that that he was mentioning about you that you do really well with is is playing the song, you know, and not having all this other crap going on. And do you do you notice that a lot with drummers about them? kind of taking over the song or what do you think about typical drummers is there something that they do that well I think that I think it's great when you can do both I think it's cool mm -hmm. when you can you know do really cool fills and what I look at I, I refer I tell Scotty I call them magic tricks yeah right if you can do the magic trick thing and still capture the feel of the song fine mm -hmm. but if you're one of these guys that just sits at the drums and just can do tons of tricks but your meter's awful mm -hmm. and how good are you right yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't capture feel you've totally defeated the point of drums mm. what is the point of drums the point of drums is to like I said it's you are creating the feel mm. um, I 
really only had one drum teacher growing up, mm-hmm. and I was very attention deficit hyperactive, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, so you know, I didn't do very long on the snare, but my parents got me a, a, a full kit at a pretty young age. I first got in playing drums because everybody on my mom's side were drummers. They were all Italians. They lived in Philly. We'd go visit when I was a little kid and I would love sitting on my Uncle Tommy's drums Mm -hmm. and just banging the crap out of them. I didn't know what I was doing. But I got hooked from the very beginning and my grandfather played in the army band in Mm -hmm. World War II and he was a jazz drummer and just awesome. So he always had, you know, drums in the basement. Um, But, and I really never had a teacher. Uh, Ray Santo, who's another great drummer who's in town, he's been in town for years. Mm-hmm. He was the, kind of the guy that just kind of showed me some stuff. Yeah. But everything else has been listening. Mm-hmm. And really just, you know, for some reason, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'm very grateful for what I've been given. I, I, the ears thing was, was always natural for me. Mm-hmm. I could listen to things and pick them up. So... I always tell people, really, my drum teachers were Phil Rudd of ACDC. Mm-hmm. That, that was my first teacher, and mm-hmm. it kind of branched off from there. People give you know, ACDC crap, but Phil Rudd has the most fat pocket, you know, just, I call him, he's like the working man's drummer. Mm-hmm. He, he's just, case in point, I went to the last ACDC concert that was at Sprint Center. Uh, it was the last concert that Brian Johnson sang at. He didn't sound that good. You can tell he was getting ready because he, he couldn't yeah. sing any of the high stuff. Oh, sure. He kind of blamed it on his ears and whatever and not being able to hear. But I just don't think he could sing that stuff anymore. Uh, but He's the guy that's been with them for forever, right? Forever. He How does that guy still have a voice? I don't know. I, I mean, his voice is nuts, know. right? I mean, like... but, but, it, but even his style, he's not good at singing the old Bon Scott stuff. Mm. And... Whoever was on drums, I don't even know who he was. He just, you know, he was fine, but he could not capture the feel of yeah. an ACDC song. Yeah. Same with Matt Sorum when he replaced uh, the Guns N' Roses guy. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, that first Appetite record, there was a feel, a rawness. Yeah. That just, you know, he came in and did the albums after, and he was a great drummer, but totally apples to oranges to hear him play that stuff or to hear the drummer that Axel picked up for the Guns N' Roses band that he threw together before he this last tour it's not the same mm-hmm. you're not getting the same feel of the songs right. they might be great technicians but it's not the same right so you know I heard another, speaking of that, of everybody having kind of their own style and not being able to capture somebody, you know, from the 70s or whatever, this great drummer. I've heard a buddy of mine uh, talk about, like, Lars Ulrich's bass drum sound. He's like, he has he has a style. Like, he, you right. know, that, that fat, meaty kind of bass drum. And, like, it's just funny when all of these famous <clears throat> bands get a new guy and it's just like, oh, dude, not even close, you know? I right. mean, you can just hear it and it's still great. And there's there's better things that this new guy brings, but they they can't do what the other dude did because they're right. just not that guy, you know. Is Phil Rudd Dennis Chambers? No, mm-hmm. but can he play "Long Way to the Top"? If you want to rock and roll, can he play right. all those old great ACDC songs? No, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he could and 
probably play a million fills here everywhere, mm. but he's not going to capture the same thing. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, right. So you have to appreciate all the different styles of drummers, really, uh, but especially, you know, people, the more schooled they get, they tend to want to get busier. Yeah. You know, and, mm. and do more notes and do right. fancier things. But the basis of rock and roll and those songs is that pocket, mm. that internal metronome yeah. that creates the feel yeah. that you're playing. I agree, yeah, and that that's a huge point because there, there's a lot of, like, like this happens a lot in the jazz world where people get up to a point, like Oscar Peterson would be an example of this kind of person who can just, like, I mean, just fly like crazy. And, it, you know, it's it's one thing to say that if you can do that, there's a bunch of people in the world that can't, so so go ahead, you know, because nobody else can do that. But uh, but in regards to how busy to be, that that's probably one of my annoyances with drummers. It's not even volume problems for me. It's more of like people wanting to fill every every four bars. Right. And uh, like Nick Mason again as an, another example. I was listening to him the other day, and I heard like. Doom, doom, tika, boom, boom, tika, boom. You know, on like the entire Dark Side record. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, he's it's and and I'm not even dogging him, but he's he's got like four fills. But you know, I mean, signature. It, but they're signature and they're perfect. Right. You know, I mean, every single time they're perfectly placed. They're they're not too much and tasteful. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're very very tasteful. You know, and, and yeah. To and if you go hear a cover band that's doing a bunch of Floyd, you look for those mm -hmm. fills. You know, and if they're not played verbatim, mm -hmm. just like the guitar parts, yeah, the Roger Waters, you know, right? And, and you, those solos, you, they're not difficult. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm not a guitarist, but they're very melodic mm -hmm. and just they're genius in not being right over, you know, because because drummers are those. I always think of the drummer and bass as like the lineman in football, where if they it's not right, I mean everything goes to crap. And then when it's right, nobody gives a crap. You know, it's like, it, and so like, it, it reminds me of those, we don't notice those fills. Like random public does not notice those fills. But then when we go listen to the song and we hear uh, Enter Sandman, right. and we're waiting for that bump, bump, right. and, but we don't even really, we kind of subconsciously know it's the drummer, but we don't really care, you know, and it right. sucks that it's like that, but, but, we don't know how much you guys add to the music until until sure. it sucks and you guys aren't there and that's just weak, right? I mean, come to a jam night some night when yeah. there's no drummers. They're right, right. It gets pretty bad, or <laughs> or you get, you know, two or three guys that are super rough. Yeah. And oh, I can play drums, and they want to come up, try getting through a song with that. Right. And it, and it's not even coming from a snobby place at all. It's just. It's a train wreck. Yeah. You, you can't keep the song together. Mm. It just falls apart. Yeah. And everybody knows, everybody feels it in one second on the bandstand. I mean, you can feel oh, yeah. it when the drummer's not there. And bass is similar uh, for all of us chord players. But when the drums aren't there, it's like, that's just the thing. I mean, when it's not there, uh, everybody, like, does the Scotty look again. You know, they right. look back like, what the hell is going on? And then when it's there, everybody's like, okay, whatever. You right. know, and we just, it's this, like ridiculous expectation right. of course the drums are going to be you know it's and that's just weird i don't know what to do i, don't, I mean maybe that's just a, a life thing it's just gonna be that way and there's not much right you know. but you know 
the best drummers you don't know they're there if that makes sense you know that's true yeah that's true they're there to do a job and um, and that's a that's a compliment because you're you've built trust mm-hmm. your musician you know your musician buddies that you're on stage with can think about think about other things focus yeah. on other things because they know you're going to be there and they don't have to worry about you yeah yeah right. And that also comes from playing together for a long time. Right, right. I mean, Brett, I played with him also in Drew Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew's been around for years. Right, yeah. Um, Scotty was in Drew's um, band in high school, as was Justin. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I, know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was over here in Blue Springs, and we had our little cover band. And then the Lee Summit cover band, which actually did originals, was uh, had Scotty. It was Laughing Jack, and it had Scotty and Justin and and they were awesome and so he had that over there and then the guy that I used to play with is uh, he's still around town too Chris Toll he plays a lot he's mm. a great guitar player uh, but our lead singer is a huge Elvis impersonator mm. Matt Lewis mm. he's from Lee Summit and he went off to Vegas mm. and he was always a great Elvis impersonator mm. he's made a whole living of doing Elvis <laughs> So, you know, but you get used to playing with other people. Uh, like, so Drew was in, also in their band in Laughing Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like everybody kind of knows one another, and we ended up playing together. Uh, Drew and I played together for years. We always joke because uh, we all took turns playing with Drew, mm-hmm. playing drums for Drew, yeah. or doing some instrument for Drew. Uh, but playing with Brett... You know, he's fantastic bass player. Um, again, same kind of thought process as the drums. He's not a Victor Wooten. Mm-hmm, right. He's meat and potatoes. Lay mm-hmm. it down. Be there. And not only is he's he's super solid guy, but you develop trust with these people on stage, and you get used to their style, mm-hmm. and you pretty much know where they're going to go. Right. You know, you know what's going to happen. And you build a trust. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really enjoy Brett's playing too for that like what you just said. And and you guys are mixing mixing really well when I'm sure I'm sure even now when you come sub every once in a while and they still know what you're gonna do, you know, because right. you played so long together, even right. if you've not been there right. for months or whatever and, and then we still can... do the troubadours thing. So we're still oh, playing yeah, 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 we're still playing gigs outside of recently or er, but yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm always so impressed by you. Like I, like I said, I mean, your guys' set list is ridiculous. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just monstrous amount of songs that you guys can it makes do. It's so and, fun. Oh yeah, I love being in the car driving to a gig and thinking, what am I gonna sing tonight? Mm-hmm. What am I gonna play tonight? Yeah, and not knowing. Yeah, because there's crazy stuff in that book. And mm-hmm. the way we've approached it is again kind of like similar to the jam night thing. Not a lot of B side stuff, but it's like all the. The party songs yeah. and the songs that you've heard on the radio for years from, you know, the 50s all the way up, you know, to, to current stuff. Mm-hmm. And the styles and, and genres vary. I mean, there's there's Dolly Parton in there. Mm-hmm. There's Patsy Cline. Mm-hmm. There's Metallica. Yeah. There's Iron Maiden. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. So you really never get bored. And like Scotty said, we've never rehearsed. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> Um, you know, you you fly by the seat of the pants, you flip your ears on, and yep. you're ready to go. Right. And do you screw up sometimes? Sure. 
but you do it in such a way where the people out in the audience mm -hmm. don't really notice mm -hmm. it. Yeah. You, you play it off. Right. So. Yeah, and that I know that I do that quite a bit, improving, you know, and you, you right. play and they with improving there's this three times wrong thing, you know, where you you do you know, you do a da 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 dee da ba da dee da da and you just do that thing three times in a row and you just can kinda kind of cover that up for the right. audience and they have no freaking right. idea that you just no. messed up no and uh and as long as you're having fun they're having fun mm -hmm. you know if you if, if you screw up on stage and you screw up a song you know it's going to change the, the the mood of people if you if if you have a shitty attitude mm -hmm. and yeah. you're pissed off the rest of the song because you screwed up at mm -hmm. the beginning of the song yeah, and I know I know Scotty does that too, where he's throwing in the you know dazed and confused in the right. middle of some other song, you know, and like when I'm in there, he'll do that, you know, and and because he knows that I'm like listening to every single note, but sure. see the audience isn't, you know, and so they're they're just you know, so it's it's easy to mess up, you know, mess up some stuff because they're not really, you know, they're jam night's a little bit different. It's it's kind of probably half and half, right? Of people kind of glad to be there and it's just ambiance and then some other people are you know really yeah yeah it, it, it's really the case yeah you have your 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 uh your regular players right. that, that want to come up and jam but there's a lot of people that just come up right. just to watch and kind of see what's going to happen yeah and that's a, and you just mentioned another thing you have other musicians in there too and they're you know what's what's guy gonna do you know like it's right you know and and so that's like another element to that i guess about if you can screw up or and it's okay you know and yeah. you just fix you know fix it and deal everybody with it. screws up yeah. we're human right you know, it's it's how you handle it right and that's in everything you know yeah life too <laughs> right yeah um tell me a little bit you were talking to me a little bit about your mom and and how you kind of got start and what she meant to your play. oh man you know my mom is an amazing vocalist and she was Marilyn Mays protege and Marilyn Mays you know huge she's got the record for the most appearances on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson huge Kansas City icon um, so my mom started as a little girl taking from Marilyn May and she was also an amazing tap dancer and mm -hmm. took from a guy in town called uh, by the name of Jimmy DeFore and so from an early age she was on a show uh, that was filmed here in Kansas City called the Wizzo the Clown Show. Kind of like the Bozo, the Clown okay. yeah, out of yeah. Chicago. We had our own here. And my mom was the featured performer every Saturday. She would sing and dance them into commercial. Mm -hmm. And also she uh, did USO tours and Ice mm -hmm. Capade stuff. Wow. And and she gave all that up to, to raise me. And built a dance studio, a song and dance studio, and has taught hundreds and hundreds of kids. She's put, uh, she had a couple students, one uh, that have gone and done some pretty big things. One uh, went and did Broadway, uh, mm -hmm. did uh, Annie on Broadway. Wow. And then did, uh, they did a, like a sequel to Annie there for a little while mm -hmm. on Broadway um, that uh, didn't really go over as well. But, um, you know, she's, she's, done a lot of amazing things with kids and again she doesn't her approach is more from a pop kind of Broadway approach mm -hmm. it's not right. more classical and so you would get these kids that would take from a classical teacher 
And also, you know, add to that by coming to my mom and she would teach them how to use belt voice, belt, mm. belt voice and, um, yeah. you know, using your diaphragm, mm. vowel sounds, yeah. all that. So I always, I always joke that I had this lady, this crazy lady in my house. The entire time I grew up, I couldn't take a shower and sing in the shower right. without hearing my mom saying, use your diaphragm, <laughs> support your notes, vowel sounds. <laughs> It's like, Mom, I'm trying to take a shower here, you know? Yeah. I don't have time for all that. <laughs> right, right. But it's stuck. That's funny. It's stuck. And so, you know, I, I was... It might have been annoying at the time, but mm. I am so blessed to have that because she taught me at an early age to, to pitch match, mm. you know? A lot of people really have to be worked with to tune their ears. And, mm. and, and I was lucky. My son has it, too. My grandfather had it. I get it from him, and I get it from my mom. Yeah, we were we came out of the box right. with being able to hear pitch, and she would work with me in the car. She'd just be driving down the road, and here I am, and it was before car seats, and she had this mm. big old cougar with pleather seats that you know you take the turn and you slide to the other side yeah, of the back that's seat. Funny, yeah, so you know, but she she would work with me while I was in the car, singing a note, sing that note. You know, tell, teaching me how to match pitch, right. and that, and she'd be, you know, she loved Linda Ronstadt, mm -hmm. and sure. those people might be kind of cheesy or whatever, but they're technicians. Yeah, Roberta Flack. Mm -hmm. You know, all those people are vocal technicians. Yeah, uh, I think I posted something on Facebook on Mother's Day. My mom and my dad's song was the first time ever I saw your face. Mm -hmm. You listen to that song. And it's all about atmosphere, from the way it was recorded mm -hmm. to the way she caresses all the notes, just the style that she that that she brought to the table singing that song made the song. Linda Ronstadt did it. All these people, you know. So I was lucky to be around that. And she'd have these kids that would uh, sing in the Opry's around sure. the rural parts of Missouri. Cass County Opry was around at the time, and and so I would. She'd drag me along with her, and it might have been annoying at the time, and I might not have been interested in it, but I learned by osmosis. Yeah, of, sure. Because I was there, falling asleep at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night while they're doing rehearsals, or mm -hmm. they're... So I would hear these people doing, you know, Rocky Top. Yeah. And right. all that, you know, and I didn't like it then, but God, I love it now. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff now. Yeah. I love old country. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you said about 19 things there that are interesting. So the one is that you mentioned that word osmosis and how how important that was to have that, what, what happened because that was in the home. Right. You know, because you were just not even, because you mentioned the other moments where she's literally stopping you, you know, outside the door of the shower, in the car or something, but... Even if she didn't do that, it was just in the home, and so now you're you're just hearing, you know, hearing her sing with her, you know, her voice and all these other kids around, or 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 the, or the fact of just having music blaring on the stereo, oh, yeah. you know, like I mean, you you think that that was pretty big deal, right? I mean, oh yeah, well, and and it was annoying at the time, but mm -hmm. man, I look back now, and it's it was it was a blessing in disguise. Her first uh, dance studio was in the basement of our house mm -hmm. when I was a really little kid. And she always says that I, you know, she'd put me in the little jolly jumper thing that was hung from the door jam. Mm -hmm. And 
it's a little harness that you, it works out your legs yeah. to try and teach you, get you ready to learn how to walk. Oh, right, right. And so she'd have her kids that she was teaching how to dance, and she'd throw on, at the time it was a record, you know, right. that she was teaching these kids to. And I would do do the jelly jumper mm. to the beat. Right. So, you know, again, you don't think about it, but you were picking things up without knowing it. Yeah, sure. And And that is as a teacher that's annoying because of the kids it's just absolutely impossible for them to see that and that's not anybody's fault you know and right. they're you're you're blasting this jazz or whatever music you're playing and they and like you said they absolutely hate it and then once the once they're 35 years old and their father unfortunately passes away. That's the only thing they want to listen to, you know, the same oh, thing yeah. like you just said, you know, yeah. where now I'm older and I absolutely love it. And right. that's, that's so annoying that life is like that. I'm, I'm more annoyed at life for that, you know, that right. it's just impossible to make them buy into that, that this is going, that you are going to love this, but I know it's annoying right now. I'm sorry, but you know, like, yeah, I don't know what to do about that. That's like one of those questions. That it's just like I don't know if there's a solution. There's really not, and it's okay yeah. because I remember being in the car and and my dad he liked to play guitar too and and but he he wasn't really a, mu a musician per se. He didn't really pursue it or anything. But he loved listening to good music. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I would be annoyed with Crosby, Stills, Nash, right. and that kind of stuff. What is this? Yeah. This is an owner of a lonely heart. This right. is, you know. <laughs> the, this is the, adult crap. Right. This is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what is, where are these guys singing? When is it going to rock? You know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I, I, you mature. Your, your taste buds mature. Yeah, sure. And At the end of Sweet Judy Blue Eyes is when it starts. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. But then, you know, there's you learn to appreciate all that stuff mm -hmm. because there's so much texture. Yeah. Right. You know, there's so much, it's, it's so much more than just some crappy song on the radio, right. even though it's, you know, it might be some pop song you've heard a million times. I always think, I always think of this, uh, example, dancing queen, mm -hmm. ABBA dancing queen. ABBA might be the cheesiest, you know, <laughs> thing on earth, but there's something about that damn song. If you listen to it on a good stereo, the way it's recorded and produced, mm -hmm. the way that those girls, the, the, the texture of their voices and mm -hmm. how they blend, there's a magic happening. Right. And, and just the arrangement, there's so much that goes into just a crappy pop song that's a good one mm -hmm. that gets taken for granted. You yeah. really gotta listen to it. Yeah. You listen to like, um, Let's Get It On, Mm -hmm. Marvin Gaye, mm -hmm. you've probably heard it a million times, but how many times have you really sat down and listened to it on a good stereo oh, yeah. and heard Marvin doing the backup part, oh, the backup vocals? Oh man, you let me love. Yeah, you know, right. You know, all the all the cool texture, little background things that that make that song sound so fat and ooze. You yeah, know? he was really known for that. There, you're right. When you listen to some of his stuff. There's all of this. All kinds oh, of crap. Yeah, I mean, and it just, yeah. it's just, it's layers. It mm -hmm. creates layers, yeah. you know? And so, you know, there's so much more to, to hear in just even just a, a pop song that you're tired of hearing. There's mm -hmm. a lot more going on. Now, you know, I might be showing my age, but some of the stuff today, maybe not as much because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's the recording process has gotten a lot easier. 
there's not as much organic stuff going on. Yeah. Whereas in the 70s and the 60s, you had these guys that were trying to create sounds in an organic method. Yeah. They didn't have all these fancy toys. They didn't have Pro Tools. They didn't have, you know, anything to fix pitch and all that. Um, so are there, so like for sure, I mean, for sure the, the billboard kind of level, I mean, they were really experimenting more in the seventies, huh? And they've kind oh. of locked it down to this formula now. Yeah. And now they don't even worry about all that crap you're talking about. They right. just have their formula and they're just going to pound you in the face with this formula and you're right. going well, to like it. Look at, look at today's country. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, a lot of people like it. I'm not going to say, you know, to, I'll say to each his own. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say it's awful. It's just not my thing. It's different, yeah. Occasionally I'll hear a song that I like that I'm yeah. like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. Mm. But, you know, a lot of them are just, it's it's pretty much very, uh, very much a formula, which yeah, is right. fine. I mean, there was, for, formulas existed sure forever. But, you know, I, I grew up loving the Mamas and Papas. Mm-hmm. And not just listening to them sing and listening to the arrangements. I didn't think about it when I was younger. Sure. But then I started learning about the Wrecking Crew and the people that were, you know, responsible for making them sound so great. Mm-hmm. Those musicians that were just the, the A-listers that were in the studio for mm-hmm. everybody. You know, Glenn Campbell was one of them. Mm-hmm. He was on all kinds of records playing guitar. Uh, Hal Blaine played drums for everything. He played drums on all Funk the... Brothers right. for Motown. Yeah, I mean, right. those guys were like pretty Same thing. famous. You, the Four Tops, uh, yeah. you listen to some of those records and you listen to that bass player. Mm-hmm. That dude is just walking all over the place. Yeah. And so tasteful, mm-hmm. you know, it, it creates feel, you know. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that's. There's yeah. something to appreciate in everything. Sure, right? yeah, man. They're, they're, like, like I said, there's a bunch of stuff you said there that was funny. Uh, the. I can really relate to the the shower thing that you're talking about where your mom's outside and like you can't even you can't even have fun and she's like you know not yeah. like like telling you oh no 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 you know do that and I'll do that I'll notice myself do that with my students where they'll just kind of start plucking something which I'm I'm glad about because they're like experimenting in their head sure. and I can tell they're trying to play some song that they heard and and like I'll notice myself starting to be like Oh, oh, do that with an F sharp, you know, and I'll, I'll start like, oh, wait, no, that, you know, and, and like that, that's just funny to me how it's almost like it's sometimes it's hard for me to have fun playing music anymore, you know, sometimes cause oh. I get way too analytical in it and stuff. And yeah, but do you might, ever have that? Like, they might get annoyed by it, but they're gonna, it's just like the osmosis thing. They're yeah. gonna, they file it still. Yeah. They yeah. might hourly be like oh god yeah. man he's just constantly at my ass right. but at the same time they file it and later on when they right. go to play it again and really play it they remember what you said right you know those were in-house vocal lessons for me right by someone that was taught by a master right and so I didn't appreciate it then but man those were those were vocal lessons me mm-hmm. singing in the shower you know and it right. So it made me so much better at what I do today, you know. Sure. That yeah. and and then I did choir in, in school and mm-hmm. learned. I I I haven't done it in years, but I used to know how to read, you know, vocal music and right. And did you like choir? Loved choir. Yeah. Loved choir. And I, I was always one of these kids where I liked a little bit of everything. So I played a ton of sports. 
Yeah. And I had all my jock friends. And then I had my metal friends mm-hmm. that I'd listen to Metallica and stuff with. And then I had my choir friends. Yeah. And I just, I dug all of it, you know? Yeah. I liked all, I, I never had a problem with people from different, you know, backgrounds or anything. I never really got into that. Because I, I felt, I've, I've always felt like you can, you can learn a little bit from everybody and appreciate, everybody has their own uniqueness. And, and you can appreciate if you if you just right. allow it to happen, yeah. appreciate their uniqueness. Right. Um, so the choir thing was cool. Um, you know, we I was in, involved in a, a couple uh, uh, quartets and double quartets that yeah. we, we took stuff to state and got ones at state. Yeah, that's cool. And that's a great feeling. It's oh, just yeah. the same feeling as, as a sport, yeah. playing a sport and being yeah. good at. So, did you did you like singing those? What was the biggest difference doing the quartets and the large group? Did you, did you like one over the other, or what? What was the big chat? Was there more of a challenge on one or the other? Well, I mean, or? like a, a quartet or a double quartet, you have a specific part that you are bringing to the group. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in a large ensemble, you're in a group of about ten other guys right. trying to sing that part. So yeah. it's not about so much. I mean, you want to blend in both situations mm-hmm. to where you guys sound like one voice, right. but if you're in a quartet or a double quartet, you can't help but for your voice to be heard yeah. because you're singing a very distinct part. Sure. You know, yeah. whether it be baritone, bass, mm-hmm. or, you know. Yeah. Those are the, that, that was always really different for me. It wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal when I went from orchestra into these band things because it's a kind of a similar thing where you're the only one on your part. But I was really used to playing by myself and stuff, so me just sitting there playing wasn't ever a problem. But it definitely... It's definitely really, really exposing, you know. It, it teaches it. you intonation. Yeah. It teaches you, again, the whole ear thing. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you're in the big choir with a lot of people and you're able to really dis- to distinctly be heard, mm-hmm. then that's not your superstar moment. That's not the, the, mm-hmm. the, the setting that you want that to happen. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you learn how to back off and blend. Mm-hmm. Listen to the other parts that are around yeah. you and blend. And that goes with drums or violin. Mm-hmm, or sure, yeah. And and speaking of that, do you think that's probably what's like? I've been getting really into singing backup for you know because I I, I I lead sang with my band for a while, but I've never really backup sang until this last band that I've been in for the last three or four years. But uh, I've had a lot of fun doing that. I, I, yeah. I have a ton of fun singing backup right now, and it's like a whole new thing that I'm not used right. to. Do. Now I'm sort of more used to it, but like it's been really fun to do that. Like like you said, just it's it's just as good as the winning the tournament or something. Yeah, it, it feels just as good as my regular part to sing that backup. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do you like do you like singing backup absolutely, too? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a different animal, I, but you know I love singing, doing the lead stuff, but. Um, Scotty does, you know, he does the deal with Crystal, the the Beauty and the McBeast thing. Yeah. But he and I will also do stuff as as a duet mm-hmm. and, or a duo, however you want to say. Yeah. And we um, just basically take turns singing lead uh, on, you know, he'll do a song, I'll do a song, he'll do yeah. a song. But even when I'm singing back up to him, it's again, it's creating texture. Mm-hmm. It's it's creating that yeah. sound. There's something beautiful. There's something magic about being able to harmonize mm-hmm. and some people you can use some people can't do it they, right. you just they don't know how to do it they can't hear it um, just I, again I consider myself lucky 
to be able to do it. I consider myself lucky to be able to, to play with Scotty and, and the people that I'm surrounded by. Yeah. You know, and Scotty's always been very patient with my lack of schooling. Mm-hmm. I, I always call him my musical translator mm-hmm. because I'll do things and he can put a name to it. If that right. Makes sense. Oh yeah. Like, definitely. Like my ear allows me yeah. to do things, but you don't I know don't, what you're I don't doing. know what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. And he'll say, "Oh yeah, you're doing I, this." I totally know what you mean because that's how I felt for a really long time. Because I started like three years old. I mean, I, I was able to do stuff and I didn't even know what was going on in uh, playing Silent Night in three different keys as a fifth grader. So right. you know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but that's what college gave me. Is 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 it? it I, my playing ability was here and my understanding was here and then I just straight up leapfrog like crazy you know I gained some playing but now I like have a very high understanding about this is a C sharp diminished and then the See, next chord awesome. is all that stuff and, See, and that's, that's awesome but I think I, I could probably speak for Scotty right here that like <clears throat> that there's those regular songs that you guys would play I think he would be obviously I, I think I could probably speak for him and he'd probably agree with this that if he were to be playing with somebody he would be much less annoyed if somebody can come in and, and wax like a really hard song than screwing up a really easy yeah, screwing up a song that we all should be doing right that we right. usually do right or you know if yeah. you guys have many shows where you've played this song and then somebody comes in and just you know six gigs in a row kind of just botches it and right. I think that's what he would be more and, and I, I won't speak for him anymore, but that's for me, you know, I, I don't have a problem with anybody not, you know, not being at a certain level of anybody else. No. It's it's just getting the basic stuff like like he was talking about with you where you play the song right, you know, but it's not about being able to do something at like, you know, 300, you know, right, beats right. per minute. It's like whatever, but there's some dudes that can play three, 300, but then they can't do it. Like right. I said, can't do a Nick Mason... Technicians regular feel. Yeah. Regular laid back stupid song that they can't even do, you know. And I've seen people from that side of things where they're these amazing technicians and they're schooled mm. and they're big readers, but they're so buried into reading yes. that they totally forget about the feel. Yes. They can, the meter goes, the feel goes because it's so rigid yes. because it's where am I on this, right. this sheet music? Where I wish I had some of that where I could read more stuff, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Yeah. You know? um, again, I'm, I try and pick stuff. You never stop learning, you know. Mm-hmm. And being around someone like Scotty is a great opportunity to pick things up. Right. So yeah, I'm learning all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. We all are, man. I mean, all, all of us can always get better. And I said that on the, on the show that I've always had this theory because I'm dealing with sight readers in my lessons constantly. And they all, they all are literally, you know, I mean, their body's up and their, the, all of their shit is right here, right, you know, right. and that's, the, that's their whole energy and their focus. And I know that when I, like for a long time, because I played by ear first, I know that when I, when I played, I, I was really good at closing my eyes and really doing the muscle memory of playing and I didn't have to look at anything, but I was realizing when I saw them is that my whole crap is in. You know, it, it, and that's fine. It, when you're playing by yourself, you need to be kind of more internalized. But Scotty was mentioning the whole idea of you guys listening, and so now some drummers are only in, and they need to go out with their listening, really right. listen to the other people in the band. And so, like, that is annoying when when those 
when like what you're saying where they just get really focused on this you can play you know, all these page chills and you're totally messing but they're up not listening right. you know and like so i don't know that's like an opposite weird thing with sight readers and ear players and then mm -hmm. drummers that are just really self-absorbed you yeah. know and they're like i hate the ones that are sitting here and they'll they'll be playing and out the stage and they're sitting here like this the whole gig you're staring at the wall and we're ready to cue them and they're right. just like it's like hello over here over here hello you know yeah I, that that is i mean now i'm guilty of that in a way because sometimes i'll find myself really listening hard yeah and i'll, I'll kind of be like turning right i guess you know this year or something to really kind of listen to what scotty's doing over here because right. he's usually on my right brett's usually on my left um you know um so i sometimes i'm guilty of that but i've learned over time to mm. okay kind of look up and and give some visual right. take some visual cues sure as well but that's not autopilot you know and that's, right. that's the good thing about it is you're not on autopilot you're, no, no, you're, no, no. Yeah, yeah 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 i'm, I'm definitely listening and right I'm trying to figure out what's coming next right sure that's good that's i mean that's great but n not even Scotty, you know, we, we have a guy that plays with us. We give each other so much shit and, and <laughs> we are so cruel to one another, you know, and, and it, it, there's no, it's no holds barred. I yeah, mean, sure. My mom has dated everybody in the band, apparently, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> so, but you know, then we've got who we call Glenda, which mm -hmm. is Bruce yeah. and Bruce is like, you know, Bruce is amazing because he is like the encyclopedia. Mm. He's he's a little bit older than us. Mm. So he got to see all the cool concerts. Right. He saw the Beatles. He saw yeah. the Who. And so he can give us stories. Yeah. And he comes with a, a vast, you know, songbook to add to what we do too. Mm. So it's, you know, again, you don't you don't ever stop learning and it might be the really technical musician side of things like Scotty or, you know, mm. what Bruce brings to the table. Right. You know? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, we haven't given Scotty quite enough crap yet. He's a I jerk. Mean, he's a pretty much a jerk. Total <laughs> but, jerk. Uh, <laughs> Total jerk. But, uh, um, yeah, man, so we're probably uh, probably wrapping up here. Uh, right do on. you got a fun, uh, you got something in the music scene that, that has happened that, that was just you'll never forget or... Uh, probably many of them I'd guess but you know there's so many random things people just are so bizarre sometimes especially when you add alcohol right just you know <laughs> the things that we've seen people do you know we're just hosting jams we, we played out in Independence for a while mm -hmm. and, and did a jam out there and just the, the odd cast of characters that would come in there on whatever substance they were oh, on geez. not just alcohol and the way they would just Right in the middle of the dance floor, right in the middle of the bar, decide to take their shirt off. Yeah. And right. these aren't, you know, these aren't athletes. <laughs> these aren't like people that you want to see their shirt off necessarily. Just big old 300 pound dude whipping yeah, his shirt yeah, off, yeah. eating his belly and <laughs> dancing and stuff. There's that kind of stuff, which is fun. But then there's also the camaraderie that you build, like doing out of town gigs and traveling and being in the car with one another and listening to music taking turns, here's what I like, check this song out, mm -hmm. then they play one and you talk about it and, and it builds, you know, you learn about new things, you learn about new songs. And then there's the, you know, I, I always liked traveling 
to stop at the truck stops mm. because that is such a hodgepodge, crazy mix of shit that you, right, you, you yeah, can't yeah. find anywhere. It's right. a circus. <laughs> so you got you know places that where people are taking showers and doing laundry and watching movies, and then you got all this random shit that's for sale. You know everything mm. from big old buck knives to these really creepy right. like life-size little girl dolls it's like okay what's some burly trucker doing with that thing yeah, in his cap? i don't want to know yeah but, but it's just fun to you know i love people watching and you, you not only get to 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 watch people from the stage but just the whole deal behind the scenes too checking mm. into your hotel right going to the truck stops sound checking I've never been on like a tour before. Well, I did with the orchestra, I guess. I take that back, but not as a band. But I've definitely done gigs out of town, and there, it's just, it, it's just crazy, right? I mean, that's right. kind of half of it is the travel and like road you trips. Said, so yeah, yeah. I love a road trip, and yeah. so you know, I, I never get sick of that because right. you're you're fine. You you get to go see something different. Mm -hmm. You're out of your your regular routine, and you know that could be today when we you know playing down at the lake or something. Mm -hmm. Scotty and I will occasionally go down to Coal Camp and play a little wine bar called Winos as, as the duet. And that's a blast. It's an easy drive. Mm -hmm. They take great care of us. The crowd is awesome. You go to these small rural communities mm -hmm. and they love quality musicians right. and something that's done well. They come from all over these small towns mm -hmm. to Coal Camp to watch us. And, and Isn't that crazy? It's like, crazy. Yeah. And they throw money in the tip jar and, and they're having a good time and and that's where it's at. It's not, you know, the tip jar is great and the money's fine, mm -hmm. but man, watching people having a good time right. doing what you do and connecting with people that you wouldn't normally connect with necessarily or have a chance to talk to, mm -hmm. that's where it's at. There's probably a, you know, major league metaphor in there or a life lesson for, for what happens when you don't get thrown something in your face all the time you know and right. like they're, they're being kind of starved for the good musicians and, right. and when they when you get there you should, you know people are so appreciative of it and that that's one I, I would I would assume that New York would be very similar to this but I think that's one thing that does happen in Kansas City a lot when people like for example when you go to like a blues jam and you hear Dave Hayes and you hear all these people that are almost as good as he is, you know, like every week. And then you're like, okay, this is average people playing blues. And then you go down somewhere else and then you're like, oh, wow, this is not average people. You know, we right. have a pretty good scene right. here. There's a lot of good players and a it's really easy to, But it's, you know. it's, it's, it's easy to become, uh, you know, I guess, used to that. Like you said, right. you know, you, you just kind of take it for granted. Sure, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great players in Kansas City. Right. There's all, all these little scenes that exist where everybody kind of knows one another but they you know everybody travels in their own circles and i've found that and this is a big lesson for the the young players coming up be cool mm -hmm. know your shit come prepared but the big things just be cool yeah be on time be considerate of others you're gonna get gigs mm -hmm. you know um just be a good person yeah and and be interested in what's going on and people the word spreads no matter what scene you're in mm -hmm. and Scotty's a master of it the, right. all the different people he plays with yeah I mean that that's that's awesome I love that because Even he's the, a dick how many yeah. <laughs> how many people in town are good enough players to do the gig 
but their attitude is absolutely yeah. crap. You can't stand you know? being around. Yeah. And that sucks. And then they never get called. Right. Yeah. Right. And they do that to themselves. Mm. There's, you know, there's not mentioning, I'm not going to mention names, but there's people in town that are amazing players and mm. amazing singers. Yeah. But social media presence is mm. huge nowadays. Yeah. And their social media presence just absolutely sinks them. Mm. No one wants to work with them because they're drama. Mm. Nonstop, you know. Um, they're graded person when you go to the gig and they're, they, they come and they're prepared and they sing great. But then, you know, after you've had this great time with them and they're in, in this great mood, two hours later they're on Facebook and they're a complete train wreck. Mm. And that kills them. No one wants to deal with that yeah, shit. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that, that, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just hard. It's it's not enough to be a good player anymore, and then no. this has probably always been like this, you no. know, with just attitude. There's good but, players but, everywhere. Yeah, and you you just don't know. And and what happens is, in their mind, they always come back. Well, that uh, that band owner was just a dick. I'm not going to play with those guys anymore. Well, right. who's you know right. because they're going to put it on the band owner, right? right. And they they're never going to put it on themselves. It's never about them. Yeah. But it's yeah. always about them. Yeah. You know what I right. mean? Mm-hmm. And when they post stuff like that, they're posting from a place where me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think a lot of it is overcompensation probably because they do have a low self-esteem and mm-hmm. they're trying to, trying to maybe, you know. Ouch. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to, mm-hmm. you know, puff their chest mm-hmm. out and I'm this and I'm this. And, and, and when in reality, they think very very low of themselves mm. which is which is a shame it's a compensation yeah right. yeah, yeah which is yeah. a shame because they don't need to yeah you know wow. I'm, I'd much rather play with someone that's just a good musician or good at what they do and that's really really cool right. than play with you know someone who's a total asshole right that like Scotty and and, and <laughs> just kidding just but, getting a little yeah, yeah, yeah. extra little death yeah. but uh yeah I totally know what you mean man because that's that's a big pro. that's probably yeah show them that again yeah, right there. <laughs> we don't need no stinking rush. No, I don't want to hear that little leprechaun singing. <laughs> he's not even, he's a Canadian leprechaun. Oh, God. They're no. the worst. No, and, but, you know, uh, I, we yeah. give Scotty a lot of crap about Rush. Um, it's not something, again, to each his own. So it's not something that I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate it. Yeah. I can appreciate the musicianship. Right. But it's not something that I just enjoy listening to. Yeah. You know, um, and that's fine. Right, you know? yeah. I, There's people that, that don't like what I listen to, too, and I'm fine with that, you know? Yeah. I, I am fascinated by that kind of stuff that what we were just talking about, about what people, their their mentality is X, Y, and Z, and then when push comes to shove, when something happens, and they are always going to flip it. You know, they're always going to flip it on. And this happens a lot with club owners, too, like yeah. or with people talking about club owners where they and this is what Scotty was dropping on the and so did Craig is saying like man you know you you guys can sit in and and bitch about all these other bands that those guys aren't even good you know and bitch about all these bands doing it but then when it comes push comes to shove they're just sitting here blaming you know they're just sitting there blaming right. the whole entire world and they can do that to the club owners too right. that where it's like these these uh you know these stupid club owners are so greedy, da 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 da, and and I'm like yeah, but your attitude is crap. 
you know, and, and you're, you know, you're not fun to be around and you're not right. doing any work and you're right. complaining the whole time. And, you know, like, I just find that really fascinating how they, they never want to take it. You know, it's always push, push, push on right. somebody else. Right. And, you know, I, I, mean, I, I think we're all maybe at times maybe mm. a little guilty of it. Sure. And, but it's how you catch yourself and how you, you know, catch yourself in that and be like, okay, that's not cool. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. Like, I love the fact that we can do, you know, all request stuff and people can pick songs out of the books. Um, you know, there's some bands that they play the same set list every gig, no matter where you go to in yeah. town. I don't hate them for it. Mm. They're cre- it's a product. They've right. created a product. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and, and people like that. And as long as they're selling drinks and they're getting booked, more power to them. Right. You know. Yeah, I totally understand. Would I want to do that? I don't think so. Right. I, I've we've I've been down that road, and you know, it's it's fun. But you know, the analogy I always used to think: if you've ever been horseback riding, um, and the horse is used to going on the same trail mm. with these people that ride him every yeah, day, the horseback. Yeah. The closer he gets to the barn, the more he starts trotting because he knows the end's coming and he's going to get some a sugar cube and he's going to get some water. Yeah. There, there becomes that when you're playing in a cover band and you're doing the same songs. You're like, okay, this is the last set. This is the third to the last song. It just becomes, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a middle ground where you get really tired and you're kind of bored with things. And then it's like, okay, you start to pick it up at the end because <laughs> you know the end's coming. Yeah, that's go. funny. Yeah, I don't know. So, that's um, funny, man. Um, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, pretty much stuff. <laughs> pretty, yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. Uh, that's uh, that's that's it. Uh, Guy Hodson, thanks for coming, man. Honored, my thanks, friend. Thanks Honored. for doing the interview. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Get out of here. We'll see you guys later right. on the next next edition. So uh, see ya. Support the Kansas City music scene for sure. Thanks, man. Yeah, I agree. And this guy, he's amazing. Thanks, man. Thanks for saying that. But uh, get out of here. We're tired of you guys. Bye.